Hey, what's up, everybody? You have reached the I'm Dealing With broadcast. I'm Sean, your host, and we'll be taking you through plenty of taboo topics that men deal with on a daily basis. We're going to go through, listen, and deal with all these things together. I know I've got to heal, and I'm sure you have to heal too, or the man in your life needs to heal. Stay tuned, fasten your seatbelt, hold on, here we go. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Hope you're getting great value out of the I'm Dealing With podcast. I am Sean, your host. And in our last segment, we talked about not a failure. And if you're getting great value on that, please uh, feel free to first, um, you know, like and subscribe to the podcast and also leave some type of comment. Um, you can be reached also um, through um, let's see, Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat, and there's a lot of things, and it's all under I'm dealing with. So if you, again, you're getting great value, I appreciate if you would just uh, comment and uh, send some feedback, and maybe you have some options or some ideas according to what we can bring uh, to the platform to better serve. Uh, you as the listening audience be much appreciated <clears throat> well we're going to get right in we're going to get right into today's uh, podcast this episode we are now on episode 11 uh, most podcasts usually uh, they're done right around uh, the 10th one or before they never make it past you know the number 10 barrier and uh, here we are. We have episode 11. And believe it or not, I've already got stuff written out all the way through episode 15. So we're going to be rolling uh, through all these different episodes in order to bring you the best value, the best content in order to uh, feed you the audience uh, as it relates to you, you know, and even though a lot of stuff is uh, personal based, but it's experiences that I've gone through that I've learned a lot from. So in today's podcast, in today's podcast, we are going to talk about a choice and a force. <clears throat> and that is the podcast for uh, this episode, a choice and a force, you know, and uh, we're just going to go right into it. You know, this takes me back. You know, I've talked a lot about, you know, childhood times, especially in my earlier years. Um, I've even gone into some of my teenage slash adult years. But one of the things that that I remember as a child, as a as a youth, not a child, child, but a youth uh, like in my early teens, you know, I was fascinated both uh, my brother and I. But we were fascinated with, uh, you know, motorized vehicles. And one of the things that. You know, we both had uh, we had mini bikes when we were kids. Uh, my brother had the first one. And uh, I'll, just, I'll tell you one story. Well, I have more, but <laughs> I'll tell you this one. This one deals with my dad. It, it's pretty good, though. So my dad, uh, 
he buys my my brother his first uh, mini bike. And it was this uh, purple chopper thing. I mean, it was kind of short frame, had these long uh, handlebars that went up and you kind of, you know, almost like, I mean, literally riding a motorcycle, that's a chopper, you know, where the handlebars are real high. And he buys my brother this uh, mini bike. And uh, I think it had, I think at the time, a two and a half horse uh, engine, something like that. And it was decent, you know. But, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, my, um, my brother, uh, was fine with, you know, he's, you know, learning on this, you know, two, two and a half horse engine, whatever it was. And, uh, my father got a hold of, uh, I believe it was a five horsepower, uh, I think it was a five horsepower, uh, Tecumseh engine. Use either to come to a bridge Briggs and Stratton uh, motor. And he decides to put this thing on the mini bike, which is funny. I mean, again, you've heard some of my stories about my dad, but for uh, my brother, like I said, you know, he, he did a lot of supporting of him. And, uh, but my father's response and how he went about it was funny. It was like, you know how, you know, so, so for those of you that are listening, if you're an adult now, I mean, you're maybe in your 30s and 40s now. Um, sometimes you have uh, and what I mean by that, 30s, 40s, even 50s. Um, but you sometimes you have these flashbacks as to when you were younger. And sometimes you can you think you can still do some of the things that you used to do when you're young. Well, my father, I mean, he was, you know, I wanted to say he was a, always a showman because I don't think he was. But I know in his younger years, he was a serious showman. Right. So he puts his five horsepower engine inside this mini bike. And I mean, he was he really said, you know, to a point like, you know, let me got, let me show you guys how it's done. Right. Let me show you how it's done. So he was the first one to ride this thing. OK. So he puts this five horsepower engine inside the frame of this chopper. Now, remember, this is a short frame chopper has a thick seat in the rear. The handlebars go up, um, you know, real high. So the, the handlebars were basically at or right above your shoulders. So you were, you know, sitting low and kind of, you know, having your hands up high. So and, you know, going from a two horsepower or even a three horsepower, to a five horsepower for those of you that remember you know mini bikes it's a little bit more torque you know it's more you know you know a thud in your back you know not you know it's nowhere near in comparison to today's times i mean today is just what that is but in those days man having a five horsepower uh engine on a mini bike frame oh man you're a booking okay so he decides to take this thing you know, and ride it up in the canyon. So we lived on the side of a house where uh, we lived on, you know, we lived on the side of the canyon where our, where our house was. So you can go right on the side of our house and just ride right up in this canyon, right? And, and I mean, you just ride and hunt and just do stuff for days, you know, just what that was. So um, everybody pretty much did the same thing, whether they had bikes, mopeds, um, AT. Uh, ATCs, you know, again, those are three wheel vehicles. It's way before the quads came out. Um, dirt bikes, you just, you name it. Everything from 
uh, CT70 because later on in life we got one of those all the way up to, you know, uh, it was, a I think it was the YZ490 then, uh, something like that, or the Yamaha 400. No, yeah, because YZ490 wasn't even around then. But yeah, you know, twin shock, you know, this way before the monoshocks, the platforms. But again, this is a mini bike frame. No shocks, no nothing. It's just a raw frame. The only cushion you have is the seat and your tires, right? So he takes, he's on the side of the house going up into the into the canyon and we follow i mean <laughs> you know i wish man we had cell phones back then or video cameras that back then that could record some of this stuff man because the footage would just be outrageous we were entitled this epic dad fails <laughs> i mean literally epic dad fails well my, you know in uh, my case epic pop fails <laughs> so yeah, so he um he gets up in this canyon, gets over this little hill, and then it starts going flat. And this is during the time when he decides to kind of like, yeah, watch me roar, right? Man, so he goes to punch this thing. And when he punches it, this puppy did a willy on him and, I mean, literally threw him off the mini bike while he was still holding on to the handlebars. And almost pulled his shoulder out of socket. I mean, he landed on his butt. It was a bad deal. And we were rolling. It was hilarious. And uh, I mean, th those are just one of the times. And I was just like going, man, you know. And the reason why I bring that up. Because over those times, that, that was the start. That was the pinnacle of where we got a lot of our um uh, ingenuity and uh, engine management and a lot of different things from was from our father during those years and after my brother got his first mini bike I later uh, got one and we would both ride together the problem was a lot of times when his was running my engine wasn't and when mine was running his wasn't it was just so we very rarely got a chance to really ride together as as brothers but because of you know it's kind of hard to be on the same page when stuff's not working but uh you know we did but that was the start that was the start of where we're about to go next <clears throat> and later on um now moving into a teenager um from a mini bike we received a our first our our first and i mean our first that we owned it was a motorcycle. It was called a, a Honda CT70. Three speed up, you know, gear shift, automatic, no clutch, no nothing. Top speed, about 50 miles an hour. You know, it was street legal. It was street legal and all that kind of stuff. However, ours wasn't street legal because it was kind of uh, rigged. Okay. we It was uh, given to us for free from my uncle. And, you know, we had to fix it, get it working and stuff and, and all that kind of stuff. But you know, for the most part, we rode it, but it wasn't that fast. I mean, especially if you're just talking about just doing a couple trail riding, just riding here and blah, 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 kind of putting around. It was okay, you know, but um, it wasn't that fast. So my brother and I shared that uh, that motorcycle. And then later on, um, my brother, more so than me at the time became known for being able to work on everybody else's motorcycles. So what ended up happening was we would, or should I say he would work on the bikes and they'd almost pretty much stay in our garage, right? So we were able 
we, and I mean we, we were able to ride everybody else's stuff. And it it made us uh, be very skillful at riding motorcycles, you know, and this dates all the way back to the four speed, the XL 75. And then later on the, uh, the of course you had the, uh, the sixties, you had the KXs, you had the RMs and later on the RM eighties, the one hundreds, one twenty five, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So, but it made us real skilled in being able to ride. Well, later on, uh, time goes by, you know, our brother's gone on, he's kind of doing his own thing. Um, you know, he went to the Air Force Academy and I'm home. Uh, and I think I kind of talked about that in one of the earliest, uh, earlier episodes. And I mean, for me, I ended up, um, you know, start working on motorcycles myself. I mean, really start getting into them. I mean, not just, hey, let me just work on it. I mean, I was started working on the engine, um, having them bored out, doing them piston and rings, you know doing uh the boys and reeds for those of you that remember those days of the reeds and all that kind of stuff <clears throat> and then uh doing head work you know having things bored out you know upgraded pistons and stuff like that so one of my for that time one of my i could say two of them but one of my favorite bikes that i had and i know that there's some people who be like man please that was nothing but for its time because of where we lived, we had um, plenty of places to ride. But in those places to ride, we had um, um, a lot of, um, how should you say, uh, short tracks where you had a nice straightaway or something like that. But then most of the stuff was twists and turns and stuff like that. And you could get away with, um, you know, maybe a 250 especially like on the on the on long straightaway stuff um maybe but for the most part you want it to be somewhere 125 would almost be would pretty much be i would say the 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 the, the best pick um gives you the the best of the speed plus enough to be able to you know to move into twisties and stuff like that um but my bike I had a, a YZ80, <laughs> believe it or not. I had a YZ80 and um, loved the bike. I mean, I literally loved that bike. And the reason why I loved it was because um, it was not just an 80, but I had it bored out to a 105. So it pretty much had the speed of like, um, you know, um, the 100, 125 to a point. Um, but it was small enough where it, um, I mean, going through the twisties and the turns and stuff, I mean, it was flickable. Oh man, you just flicked this bike like it was nobody's business. And again, and again, I'm not a big guy at all. <clears throat> I'm roughly 5'10. And, um, probably during that time, I weighed maybe about a hundred and 35 to about 140 pounds uh, during that time, uh, maybe 150 tops. Um, so I wasn't a heavy guy at all. So it pit, it fit for me. And but the difference is, I know some people are like, well, you know, you, you know, 
back in, you know, in today's times, you know, everybody's talking about the four fifties and, you know, now it's going back to two strokes, which is cool because I'm, I've always been a two stroke guy. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know, especially when you're mixing that oil, that gas and that oil together and you have that maximum smell when you're using that maximum two cycle, uh, oil, I mean, coming out that pipe, ah, nice smell, right? And again, these are the, for the riders that understand. Okay. So where I'm going next is just this. So I'm riding, you know, having a good time. Um, I'm racing different people. I mean, you, you would have, uh, um, ATVs and, you know, ATCs in there, you know, three wheel vehicle, uh, bikes. And then later on, of course, quads came into play. Um, and this particular day, there's like seven of us. So it's myself and another guy on an 80, another guy on a 125. There's a couple guys on 250s. And then there's this one dude riding a YZ 490 during this time. And this dude, I mean, he was getting smoked. We were eating him like it was nothing. I mean, I was tearing him up like a T-bone steak, right? Man, <laughs> I love T-bone steaks, let me tell you. So I'm lighting this dude up. You know, I mean, to the point to where I'm like two laps ahead of him, you know. So, of course, I find out why a little bit later on down the line. But, again, I'm like tearing this dude up. So we are having a blast of a time. I mean, a complete blast. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I mean, I don't I don't get it. You know, why are we smoking some of these guys, you know? And, I mean, we had, we brought extra um gallons of gas we had that sitting up there in dirt and, and gas cans and stuff like that so we could just keep on trucking already mixed and ready to go and during this time you know uh it got to the point where over the years you know uh, when we first moved into the territory many years ago the police i mean you can pretty much ride in the street and the police would actually look at you like, Hey man, you know, you're not supposed to ride in the street, put that thing on the sidewalk and you'd have go cars, mopeds, motorcycles, uh, three wheel ATCs, mini bikes, uh, uh, you name it. Everybody would be riding on the street, having a good time. And the cops wouldn't, they wouldn't do anything. I mean, it wasn't like it was a bad thing. Again, it was a neighborhood and all the neighborhood kids were doing it, you know, and just hang out and just ride around. Wow. 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 You know, and that was it. But then later on, you know, we had a few people in the neighborhood playing because, again, it was kind of getting noisy, you know. And uh, next thing you know, they were putting up signs. No, you know, especially when you start going off into the dirt behind the houses, especially behind our house and the canyon, a couple other spots. Saying no off-road activity, um, off-road activity prohibited, you know, no this, no this. And they were putting signs. So what it ended up doing was it caused a lot of youth um, to resort to doing other things. So it was no longer having fun on motorcycles, mini bikes, and this, that, and the other. They found fun in other things. Sad part about it is a lot of those things became very illegal and I won't go there. <clears throat> but in this time, during this time, we knew the signs were out there. You know, for those of us that enjoy riding, our, our thing was let's ride. And, um, you know, if we get caught, we get caught. But the goal is not to get caught. Right. And again, I mean, how you how are you uh, going to avoid not getting caught when um, I'm sorry, I'm tightening up the stand. This thing's kind of uh, getting wonky on me. So how are you going to avoid getting caught when 
um, your bike <laughs> can be heard for a mile. You know, again, we're talking about two stroke. Two stroke is not quiet. You know, it's we, you know, that's just what that is. And especially if, you know, if you're speed shifting and all that kind of stuff, you're just not getting around it. So, um, so we're all right and having a good time. And we look at the top of this hill where the street comes and you have, you come around this corner and you can actually see kind of the cars going down, but they can see into the Canyon as they turn the corner. So if you're riding down there, you know, people can see you riding down in there. You know, some people, some people will stop and get out and watch. And even in neighborhood people, they wouldn't come, they wouldn't come all the way down in the Canyon. They would just stand on the edge and you'd have like, you know, as low as 10 people all the way up to like 75 people just watching, you know, people ride, having a good time. So this particular day, man, uh, I tell you, <laughs> it's a trip man, and you understand why that I named it, you know, a choice and a force <clears throat> because, uh, one of the guys was coming down. He had to go back to his neighborhood because he didn't live in our neighborhood. He was, went back to his neighborhood, but he rode there. You know, he rode his motorcycle back to his neighborhood. And it was my boy, Kurt, man. I love this dude. So and so he rode back to his neighborhood. And on the way back, he was coming down into the canyon. He had just left the street coming through the trail to come down through the canyon. And he and he heard a voice and he turns and look. And sure enough, when he goes to look, it is San Diego PD, you know, telling him, telling him to turn around and come back up where they were. And he was like, um, you know, he just kind of looked at him, you know, now I didn't see it right off the bat. I didn't see it because, again, I'm right and having a good time. But it wasn't until I was coming off. Uh, one of the turns and heading to the straight. And as I'm coming toward this, this straight and we, in this uh, particular canyon, we call this the U, the U, this, that was the name of the canyon. We called it the U. So as we're um, coming down this straight, I see him on the trail. So I'm coming down the straight, but he's on the trail, like further up toward the street. But at, you know, the, the straightaway, you can kind of see this trail going up. And I look up. And I see him. I'm like, well, why did he stop? But then I look past him and I saw San Diego PD. I'm like, isn't this a blip? Oh, my God. So I finally start, you know, dialing it back. Downshifting and so on and so on. Just kind of. And then I let, then I turned my bike off because I wanted to see if he was, they were talking to him or not. So I turned my bike off. And then next, you know, I can hear some of the other bikes behind me. They're coming toward me because, you know, they're they're now on their straight, you know, get me to fly. So they see me and I kind of do my hands, you know, to slow them down, you know, and then I'm pointing up to the hill. So I take my goggles off and uh, my helmet off. No, I didn't. I left my. I took my goggles off or put them up over my helmet, but I left my helmet on. And I, I slowed these guys down. And then I pointed to up the trail. So they looked up and they, they're like, you know, what's going on? I said, I don't know. Hey, turn your bike off so we can listen. So and they're yelling through their, um, you know, their horn, you know, their bullhorn or whatever. They, you know, hey, you guys need to come out, you know, this and that. There is no riding down in here. You need to come up and uh, don't make us come down there. Da, 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 da. So. It was weird they said that because don't make us come down because you're in a 
a passenger car we're in a canyon on dirt and there is like five different access points to get out of here and unless we come toward you you have to drive all the way through the whole neighborhood and the back streets and all that kind of stuff just to try to catch us at one of the five exit points so as they're telling you know as they're saying you know what we need to do uh kurt looks at me and he kind of throws up his hands like you know what you want to do so i noticed kurt hop back on his bike and uh he pops the clutch uh coming down i think he's probably in second gear pops it you know so he comes down toward us he goes i don't know about you guys but i'm not hanging around here he goes i'm not going back up there and i'm like bet me either so we had a choice to make and um you know it's amazing that when you go through different things in your life um sometimes we put ourselves in like like i've said before in precarious positions to where we have to make a choice for our lives and sometimes it's not the fact that it's a detriment to us but we still have to make a choice nonetheless in everything that we do you know and then sometimes in our choices um, we are forced to do things that we normally wouldn't do and one of the things was I mean I knew I was a good writer, not a great writer, but a good writer. I mean, I was no slouch. I wasn't a rookie, not a novice, but yet still not a pro. But there are just certain things that I just wouldn't tackle when I was writing. And I tell you, it's amazing what you say you'll never do until you're forced to do it. Stand by. So it is indeed amazing that, you know, when you're going through different things in your life, uh, we say a whole lot of things, what we're not going to do. You know, we'll never cheat. We'll never get a divorce. Uh, I'll never cheat on my taxes. I'll won't fall into this thing or that thing. I will, um, you know, I'll be stable on my job. I'll, I'll never just quit. I'll never just walk away. I'll never, uh, not love my family. I'll never, you know, we say a whole lot of nevers in life, but it's amazing that sometimes when you, you put up against a wall and and when you know, there's going to be a penalty, I mean, you know, you're going to be penalized. You know, there's going to be repercussions. You know that um, there's going to be some type of punishment that's going to happen. That what you say you won't do, you find yourself doing. So in my case, during this time, uh, there was just some things that when I rode, when I, when I, uh, you know, I, I think I could jump pretty good. I was a good rider. You know, I was great at shifting, knew exactly where to downshift, knew my points, knew where to turn in from, you know, all the different things. I knew the characteristics of my bike, the the spring compression and load rates and all that. I even 
you know, had lifted the bike, you know, up, I would say probably about an extra five or six inches, something like that to, um, to where it sat a little higher, you know, changed the front forks. I mean, a bunch of different things, <clears throat> but one of the things that I, um, struggled with was, um, they built over the course of X amount of years in this track that we rode, they built several jumps that were really made for more powerful bikes. And I mean, you really had to have some, you know, some serious, you know, what's to really, you know, tackle them, you know, to really go through it. You know, they weren't made for, you know, smaller bikes, you know, like eighties and sixties and you know, there was no 65s in or 85s in. It was a 60, 80, you know, the XL75. Then you had 100s, 125s. And mostly you wanted, you know, either it had to be complete, uh, if you want to say ballsy, you know, on an 80. Um, but you were right around comfortable to a point on a 125. And then even better on like a 250 or something like that. Because of the way they were built and what they were made for. So it wasn't something that you were just going to, you know, jump and, you know, you know, flying through the track and, you know, so this is another spot on this track. So, again, as I stated earlier, there was like five exit or entry points. I mean, it's tough entry points, but they uh, led to certain areas of a neighborhood. You can come out in your own neighborhood, come out in another neighborhood, come out in another area. There's all different ways of coming out of where you were, you know, and that right there. that's a that's a talking point right there. There are different areas that you can come out of. You know, we know that there's a right way and a wrong way. OK, there is a right way and a wrong way. You know, um, we can come out of a lot of different. Uh, uh, we come out in a lot of different ways in our life, in our and our foolishness and our bad decisions or maybe things that life has thrown our way. There's a lot of ways that you can come out. But there's but there's only a right way to come out. OK, there's a right way. There's a right way and a wrong way. And there's a whole lot of wrong ways. But, you know, there's a right way. So but my situation for this time in my life, you know, I'm riding with my boys. You know, and sometimes we make a lot of decisions because we riding with our boys. You know, we end up at the club because we riding with our boys. You know, we end up talking to Tanya and them because we riding with our boys. You know, and um, I'm down here I'm riding, having a good time. And all of a sudden, you know, tragedy strikes, you know, with the police and you have to make a decision. And we started up our bikes decision was made okay so we started up our bikes um i rev mine out and you know pop first and do a donut and turn the other direction because this straightaway takes you to five different entry slash exit points you can either go one way go the kind of the way you would have gone uh gone ended up down here near a liquor store which is the one of the main streets where the cops could get you on right away if they saw you go by on the straightaway. <clears throat> or you can take the part of that same straightaway, make that right, 
and kind of go up the trail, which is where my buddy Kirk was. And that takes you to where the cops actually are. So that's two. But if you go the opposite way on the straightaway, it takes you to three other exit slash entry points. We chose the latter. We chose one of the three other exit points. So three of the gentlemen that were with us, you know, Kirk included. So it was Kirk and then two other gentlemen. They weren't from our neighborhood. So they knew how to get to the main canyon, ride the main tracks and just have a good time. But up against this in our neighborhood, they weren't privy. So they're asking me which way. And I said, we got to go. We have to go now. And if you want to get out of this without getting caught, do not slow down. You know, we have a saying in life. <clears throat> if, in fact, uh, you ever want to defeat a bear and um, you're not by yourself, you don't have to be the fastest guy. You just have to be faster than the slowest guy. OK, so we gun it. I mean, we literally gunning it and we hit this straight away. You know, um, my buddy Kirk, I believe he was on, what was he? I think he was either on his 80. No, that was the other dude. No, Kirk was on the 125. So Kirk, so I pulled off faster than him. By the time we started reaching close to top end, you know, he starts getting ready to swinging around me. And then he, and we're kind of side by side. He kind of backs off his throttle just a tad bit to talk to me and ask me direction. So this straightaway, if you keep going straight, it'll take you out to the street, um, which separates three different neighborhoods. I decided to say, dude, don't, we're going to, we're going we're gonna to make the left. We're going to go up this other trail on this hill and take us out the back. He said, bet. And it's a good thing because as we started going up the hill and then he, uh, pulls in behind me, then we got the other dudes behind him we noticed that here comes another car coming down that area where if we would have went that streetway would have been a bad deal. <clears throat> so we're pulling this, this dirt hill, just, you know, all out. Wah, 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 just gone. Right. We get to the top of the hill. Then it brings you down a backside and it, it takes you to this dead end street. And basically the dead end street, it stops at the Canyon. So basically if you hit this, jump like i said which is kind of crazy because it was built for larger bikes um if you hit this it's like a it's like a crazy triple slash tabletop jump it's it's crazy it was like a tabletop jump with a dip in it so for smaller bikes you you know i mean you really so it's something i said i would never do you know that you know usually every time i went through it i would slow down just kind of and then kind of then hit the last jump, then fly out, hit land on the street and then take off and go. But this time, man, I didn't slow down at all. I mean, I went for broke and, um, I actually tripled this thing, tripled the jump, landed on the ramp side of it and then dropped right down to the street. And I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I was, um, 
you know, when you're doing different things, when you're forced to make decisions, um, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, you, there's going to be some, you're going to feel some butterflies. You're going to feel that, um, you know, um, man, that, that there, there's some, you know, there's a little bit of scared in there. There's a little bit of fear in there. There's a little bit of this, a little bit of that in there. It's not all, you know, fun and games where you just go, yeah, 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 yeah. I got this, blah, blah, blah. You know, because the whole time you're thinking to yourself, what if I get caught? What if this happens? What if I get penalized? What if I, uh, let's say I go to jail and whatever jail is to you. Think about, you know, the things over your life and decisions that uh, you've made. Um, or the situations that you've put yourself in, not just life, but yourself, because uh, as men, we don't always uh, make the right decisions. Let's just be honest. We don't always make the right decisions. And um, and I made this decision to not go back up the hill and go talk to the cops. I made the decision to bounce. And in my decision there are others that were had to make their decisions and they made their decision to bounce. And, um, <clears throat> I'm doing this thing. And I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you, you know, in hindsight now, you know, looking at it, I'm killing it on this bike. I mean, I'm literally killing it. I'm winding this thing out for everything it's worth. I've never ridden that fast on that bike ever in my life. I mean, I've, you know, fast on straightaways and stuff like that, but I was always cautious. You know, it's just what that is. You know, you, you, you know, you respect power, you know, and that's another topic, <laughs> respecting power. Okay. So, um, so I respected the power that it had, um, you know, cause the goal again is not to get hurt. Cause I've had, you know, too many broken limbs and stitches and different things throughout my life because of different things that I've either done foolishly or tried to do a new trick or, you know, it's always something, you know. So I um, did this triple, landed it, stuck it, and then hit the street. And I waited for everybody else to come behind me. Next thing you know, we hit the street and we start taking out, we start taking off seven, uh, seven, all seven of us. And as we right across this intersection to go into another neighborhood to drop down to hopefully get to another place to drop down to a different canyon. Here comes three more cars. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, this is like, you know, underground, like it's nobody's business. Right. Except dealing with bikes, you know, bikes, you know, uh, trying to get away from the law and and. And I don't advocate this. Don't get me wrong. I do not advocate doing it at this time. That was a decision I made. That was back in. Oh, man. That was back in the 80s. OK, you know, uh, 1980s, somewhere around there. But I do not advocate doing this. But I just want you to know this is where I was then. <clears throat> so we're going through these uh, streets in the neighborhood and we cross here comes a few more cars we're gunning it I mean we are literally gunning it 
and we go from one neighborhood down to the next. We go through a park. We pull up on the church parking lot. Uh, we go through the park and there's a church right next to the park. We sit up on and we pull up in that church parking lot because it's on a hill too. And you can see pretty much the whole neighborhood in Canyon before you make your next move. So we sat up there for a little bit to make sure that we didn't see anybody. And then we dropped down into the next Canyon. So all in all, from the first uh, Canyon we were actually riding in, we went from that one to another. And then from there went to our third Canyon, which is where it pretty much ended. So we end up in this third Canyon. And while we're down there, we um, were thinking to ourselves, you know, so now that we're in this third Canyon, in that third Canyon, there's only two ways out. And the sad part about this particular Canyon is it faces the freeway. So when you're riding in this Canyon, anybody that travels along the side of the freeway can see you. So you only have, again, two ways out. You have this, the way we came in and then either you go back out that way or there's a side entry near a friend of ours house. So what we decided to do, we decided to exit the Canyon through the side entry near our friend's house or, you know, a couple of ours. We knew the guy. So we end up at this guy's house. So we, we go through the side, come out the Canyon and we're hoping this guy's home, right? We're hoping this guy's home. Here's seven bikes. You know, it's like America's most wanted, right? And we're looking for a place to lay low, right? A place because you can't just stay in the Canyon because if they call, if they call a chopper, you're done. If they call their bikes and you're stuck in an area that only has, you know, two, uh, an entry point and a separate exit point you're stuck you're, you're, you're done so and then okay so during that time and of course uh i don't i'm not sure what they run now but during that time you know um they're running the xt350s sad part about it is these guys were good on the street you know most of the cops were good to ride on the street but in the dirt oh my god you eat them alive and those xt350s those enduro bikes they're a dual useless right um, so, cause they didn't have anything in the dirt. I mean, other than, you know, trying to go up against a two stroke, but they were, yeah, whatever. So we go to the side, go to my buddy's house. We're knocking on the door, knocking on the door. And he happened to be home. His name was Corey. So we're like yelling "Hey, Corey, man, open up your garage, open up your garage. So come to find out he was actually in the garage working on his bike because he said he had heard you know, bikes in the neighborhood. He heard the exhaust, which was us flying, you know, you know, all that. So he pops his garage and we all slide our bikes inside the garage. And then we take off our helmets and our goggles. And then we close the garage down and we just kind of hang out in this front yard, just kind of chilling. Right. And we wait and we wait and we wait. And we wait. The sad part about it is where we went to go hide was further away from where we lived. <clears throat> and the reason why I bring up that point is when you make a choice 
in your choices, you're forced to do things that you normally would not do. Sometimes you're forced to make a decision. You're forced to uh, not make a decision. You're forced to go along with a plan. Uh, You're forced to maybe make a decision that you're unsure about. And in that forcing, it's just like it's crazy because you're just like, wait, wait. So you mean I have to do this now? You mean I have to say that now? You mean I have to say I'm sorry? I have to go back and apologize Um, or I have to do this, that and the other. Or it's the opposite. You know, the things that you should normally do that's right. Because you made a choice, you're now forced to go further away doing wrong things. You know, um, for instance, if you start, let's just say you're doing your you're working on your taxes and you put in some bogus numbers and stuff in there. And let's just say you get a return and whatever that is. And you're like, you know, you're off the clouds and this and that and the other. And you're happy about, you know, your return, you know, because you did, you know, uh, uh, some bogus numbers. But then you later on get audited. So now you have to go back, try to figure out what you did, what numbers you really put in, why'd you put them in there? And then if, of course, if they're asking you for receipts and to justify why uh, you have those particular numbers and certain slots, and then you have to what? Make up different things to justify what you did. You end up further away from your initial decision because your initial choice was wrong. So here we are, we're further away from where we lived. I actually lived in the neighborhood, but I was, matter of fact, I was the closest person to where my buddy Corey lived. But my ride now from where uh, the canyon that we were originally in was less than a quarter mile away from the house. I mean, literally, I mean, less than a quarter mile. It was like an eighth mile. Literally, I mean, I rode down the street for basically, you know, if I'm punching it, next thing you know, about three seconds, three to five seconds later, after pretty much a bike moving, I'm pretty much slowing down to start dropping into this canyon. That's how close the original canyon was. But where I am now actually takes me roughly, you know, seven to eight minutes to get home. And then the gentlemen that were with me live further, especially Kurt, who lived almost, I should say, almost across town to a point, he, you know, in a different, completely a different neighborhood, completely. He would have had to go across a bunch of major streets just to get home. So he would have to actually bypass or go past my house to get to his house, which was on a, across a, uh, actually two major streets. All because we made a choice. And then we been from that choice, we were forced to do things that normally we wouldn't have done. So let me ask you, how many times have you been, have you made a choice and you were forced to do something that you normally would have never done? You would have normally, you know, um, hurt somebody. You would have normally cheated. You would have normally took something that didn't belong to you. 
you wouldn't have normally cussed that person out. You wouldn't have normally um, hated on somebody that you really loved. Thinking about thinking about all, all the things that you have done through a choice. You made a choice, and sometimes you don't even like the choice you make. But well, I made a choice. I want I want to seem like a punk, so I'm just gonna stick with it, even though you know it's not the right one. Now the rest of this story is: Did we get caught? No, we didn't. But we were in that place. In this person's house, not necessarily in the house, but in his driveway slash in the garage for two hours, hopefully waiting for everything to die down because of the choice and which forced us to do some other things. We were now forced to wait. We were forced uh, into fear. We were forced into being scared. Why? Because their original choice. And what we didn't want to do is take the matter lightly and then just, well, we just, all right, all right, we, we think we're good. Let's just go back home. And then not know that if the coast was clear or not. So, I mean, we actually had to have a guy hop on a bike and just kind of ride around through some of the places we think we might go to get back home to see if anybody was riding through the neighborhood, you know, you know, any uh, police officers ride through the neighborhood, maybe looking for us. And this is what happens when you make choices that aren't the best ones for your life. And I implore you that when you look back over your life and think about where you are now, sometimes you've made some great choices. But in those great choices, you know, it, it's forced you to live a certain way. Maybe you maybe you made a choice not to accept a certain job or a a certain uh, networking partner. Or maybe you there was a choice that you decided not to take. And your lifestyle is different because you didn't take the choice. Maybe you don't have the home that you could have had or the car that you could have had the family you could have had because of choices. Or maybe you end up having a family that you didn't plan on having because you made it. You made a choice. And now here it is. 18. You, you're forced now to deal with that extra person and this new child now for 18 years. Because of a choice you made. And there are plenty of times in our lives that we're going to make choices. It's just it just goes without saying we're going to make choices and we're going to be forced to do some different things. Now, sometimes. Our choice comes with another choice. And it's better to make the proper choice to where you can still have choices versus a choice, one choice. And then now you're forced to do something. I don't think every anybody in life wants to be forced to live a certain way. First, to love us a certain way. First, forced to give a certain way. Forced to uh, drive a certain thing or forced to only be able to live in a certain thing. I want to have choices. I want to be able to choose the type of house I live in. I want to be able to choose the type of car I drive. 
I want to be able to choose when or when not to have a family by the choices I make. I want to choose my faith. Either I'm going to believe or I'm not going to be a believer. I want to choose a type of job or entrepreneurship or type of self-advancement or education. I want to have choices. But sometimes when you make wrong choices or you don't make a choice at all, you are now forced into a choice. Don't put yourself in a position to where you're forced into a choice. Man, I implore you to not just make hasty decisions. Think about the choices that you make, who it affects, why it affects them, and then look at what is going to achieve or the lack thereof on the back end. Because many times we only look at the we only look at things for where we are right now. And many times we make choices based upon where we are right now, but we don't think about what the repercussions can be or could be later on down the road. So even now <laughs> you have a choice to make. You can either listen and uh, think about those things, think over your life and, and try to figure out how to fix some of these things or be forced into making a decision, be forced to end up in a place that um, you should not be in, or you're, you're, you're forced into a place where you're there too long. You ever been somewhere too long? May, you know, many of us going through this time and right now in our life, many of you feel like you've been somewhere too long. You sat too long. You've been too long at this job. You've been too long at parenting. You've been too long at this rental house. You've been too long um, at this particular uh, play, house of worship. You've been too long at, um, you know, maybe you're trying to launch a business and it just seems like it's, you know, something's not happening. You just feel like you've, you've been somewhere too long. And, and I'm here to let you know sometimes it's in the choices that we make. And in that choice, do you have all your ducks in a row when you make your choice? Or you just make a choice based upon where you are? Do you look at all the parameters? What is it going to cost me if I make this choice? But also, what are the benefits if I make this choice? Who will it bless if I make this choice? And also, who will it harm if I make this choice? And then in my choices, the pros and cons, will I be forced to do something that I normally would not do? Am I going to have to compromise my integrity if I make this choice? And many times those of you that are listening that are under sound of my voice, if you're in management, there are many times where you are challenged where some things can pretty much almost compromise your integrity or your challenge in that area. And you have to you have to have to have a choice. You have to excuse me. There's a choice you have to make there. And I don't think any good person in any type of management, you know, uh, for a company, entrepreneur, businessman, whatever, ever wants to really compromise their integrity. And for those of you that are entrepreneurs and trying to build a brand, you don't want to compromise your integrity in building your brand. You don't want to just sell people up the creek 
and then there's no promises or, or anything that actually goes along with it you, can, you can't stand up to your brand you, you make the sale but then after the sale is done you're nowhere to be found because all you cared about was the sale but you didn't care anything about the customer because you made a choice to do something foul or you made a choice to make a promise that you can you knew that you couldn't hold up to it hurts and it doesn't just hurt you it hurts those that trusted you it hurt those that put their faith in you it hurts those that puts their dollars in you it hurts those that put their time in you and eventually if you really think about it you're left hurting as well i'm sean your host that i'm dealing with stay tuned for the next podcast be blessed make the right choices so you're not forced to live beneath your privilege till next time see ya